Welcome into another post-game edition of Spits and Suds. Happy President's Day, everyone. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by D Magazine's Robert Tiffin for today's post-game show. And my friend, uh, this one was a, if you take a step back as a Stars fan, and all things considered, I think it was an awesome point, but it was also a great game. And sometimes you just have to realize that it was a great game, and uh, I thought the Stars Played really, really well. It was a gutsy effort, minus uh, Miro Heiskanen, Duchesne, Dodonov, Hockenpah, Lundqvist. On the road, on a road trip, front end of a back-to-back, and I thought you played really well. Yeah, I think everyone kind of figured when you saw everyone who was out of the lineup, even even up to the last second right before, right before they dropped the puck, finding out Duchesne was going to be out too. Uh, everyone kind of figured it'd be a weird game and your, you know, your worst fear is that it was going to be, you know, a nightmarish game, but I think it's to Dallas's great credit that it didn't, you didn't really feel the absences of a lot of those players until you yep. got to, you know, round seven and eight of the shootout. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was trying to think, I bet they would have used Haskin and Duchesne and Adonoff there. Mm-hmm. 100%. So I think, yeah, definitely Duchesne. Um, but you know, it's one of those things that, you know, the stars have a hurdle to, uh, to, to climb. They, they played a lot of basic hockey today, kind of went basic. And I just said to myself, you know, I kind of enjoy this basic hockey. One of the things is, is they showed me that physicality that I've been talking about and especially against Boston, a team that normally is the one pushing you around. And I thought throughout the day, the stars had the edge there and I thought it really helped in their deep four check. Felt as though they had the Bruins defensemen on their heels for uh, the Bruins who are really good at breakouts with the speed of Pasternak and Marshman and um, Marchant, sorry, and others. I mean, I just felt as though the Bruins really couldn't get going throughout the day. Yeah, Dallas is pretty relentless. And, you know, to a certain extent, I think uh, 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 to a certain extent, you kind of expect them to come out with that extra jump, you know, of a team where it's an all hands on deck sort of scenario. So you expect a little bit extra jump, but you don't expect that to kind of last the whole game. And, you know, to Del- again, to Dallas's credit, it lasted about 58 minutes. Uh, aside from here and there with some scrambly portions, they really were the better team pretty consistently. Uh, you, I mean, you even had Joel Hanley stepping up and giving Brad Marsh on the business and yeah. dragging them into a fight. I mean, I don't think anyone had that. Uh, that on their bingo card. Essa <laughs> Lindell throwing a good hit. I mean, they they were definitely they were getting some people stepping up and, and making plays and making life hard for the Bruins, which, you know, for as good as this team's been, even last year, them winning the president's trophy by a mile. Uh, it was good to see. Yeah. And then we had a hockey east tilt in the net with Jeremy Swayman uh, from the University of Maine versus Boston University's Jake Ottinger. And we know Jake and that when he plays in Minnesota and Boston, he loves playing those games. Um, and I thought both played, you know, brilliant. I mean, can't be on Ottinger. Um, all three goals um, that Boston scored were basically, you know, the third one was tough because they were, you know, stars couldn't get it out of the zone. And that Pasternak one-timer is just brutal. Um, but, you know, it wasn't like Ottinger, you know, I mean, they were basically kind of missed assignments that resulted in those Bruins goals. Yeah, I think I think that's right. The second goal is really the only one that you'd, you'd even think about, and that's still a really big guy who, who you know, yeah. Suter, Suter was on the ice with, I think it was Pouliot, and they were kind of switching off, and so Suter's trying yeah. to catch back up. But a big guy with a big reach, and Suter doesn't quite get there, but 
even that one, I'm not inclined to put totally on suitors. It's a little scrambly, and it's this big guy, you know, 6'5". Yeah, he's got the reach. But, you know, credit to Ottinger because he had some really big saves, too. And in addition to those yes. three goals, he gave up. I mean, he had two saves on a Grizzlick, on a two-on-one, and, and then a shorthanded, like essentially a breakaway in the second period. He had a couple other really, really nice saves where he just he was calm right when Ottinger said his best he's really technically sound and the shootout was kind of a great exhibition for that because you just saw skater after skater come in and try something and him just running you know the Jake Ottinger program and his mental computer just nope save blocker save blocker <laughs> save uh just over and over and over and that's when he's at his best he can really make everyone feel more confident and the team really needed that on a kind of scrambly day i think ottinger settled everyone down yeah and i think i think the stars you know when you're a great goalie part of being a great goalie is you get great breaks and the whistle blew and you know swayman clearly had that puck when it was knocked in by uh wyatt johnston um and then you know in overtime or the shootout i should say my goodness, Craig Smith was just, you know, that was a wonderful move and just stood there and I thought the pad was going to knock it in. And, and in fact, the pad stopped it and it just cuddled up next to the post. So overtime yeah. loss, but you know, it's one of those things that, I mean, you know, it's just the luck of the puck when it comes down to it. I mean, I look at all the analytics and basically it was even throughout. I mean, shots on goal, there was a major differential, but you know, I mean, you're playing an all-star goalie who stepped up. Yep. Dallas was definitely shooting from all over the ice, so the shot on goal totals were, pretty, were really tilted. But that worked to their favor, too, because especially against a goalie as good as Swayman, you know, part of a uh, – I know Olmark, I think, won the Vesna last year, but Swayman was a big part of that that team. You know, they were kind of a tandem even in the playoffs. They, there was talk about that. Um, and the Stars just kind of decided, look, we're not going to try to get too fancy. We know we're going to have some AHL players in there, and the defense pairings are all going to be kind of scrambled. And the lines even, you know, losing Duchesne. Now you're having to rotate Fox and Smith kind of in and Robertson and Hintz take turns there. Um, and so they just seemed like they kind of decided, I, it wouldn't shock me if it was a, a an explicit instruction from the coaching staff, just look, shoot, pucks on that, pucks on that, pucks on that, which usually isn't the Stars, you know, go-to approach, right? You, it always seems like they're the ones getting outshot but hanging into games. Uh, I shouldn't say always. I mean, but the times where they have been pretty seriously outshot, you remember them this year. And then you feel like, wow, how are they hanging in there? And today was the exact opposite where, you know, like you said, and the Bruins were getting quality chances. The stars were getting lots of shots and really it was pretty even overtime is probably where it hurts the most because yeah, that empty net goal, you know, Pasternak is, is elite for a reason, but in overtime they had so many chances yeah. and even Thomas Harley putting that one off the post Sagan had three great looks. Yeah. Uh, even before he got to the shootout, he had three essentially looks all alone on Swayman and no one, no one could beat him. And that's where you kind of feel like it slipped through their fingers pretty clearly uh, in overtime. They were by far the better team in overtime, but just couldn't get it done. Yeah. They protected Polio today and Petrovic and each only, I mean, one played 1224 and the other played 1249. And the next star's defenseman was Hanley at 1619. So mm -hmm. Thomas Harley, almost 30 minutes of ice time today, mm -hmm. 2941. But I mean, overall, I thought the call ups, you know, I mean, they didn't do anything to worry me. Um, I think you know, some stars fans will see them on the ice for that first goal. And it was pointed out on the broadcast. Um, however, you know, to me, that was Joe Pavelski's man. And that was on the weak side, like you mentioned. Um, but I mean, overall, I thought they played decent. They, you know, didn't really like, a, oh my God, they're on the ice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're two veteran players, right? Yeah. They, they both have, I think if I remember this, they both have over 200 games of NHL yeah. experience. So you don't make it to the NHL and stay there for 200 games 
cumulatively if you if you don't understand the game really really well so yeah there's maybe a little bit of rust but like you said even even though they're on ice for a goal or two uh you don't really i don't really think you can hang those goals on them at all i think by and large they they came in and you know again dallas is such a good team you can put you can have half the defense on on a on a day when you're playing a weird day game against boston shorthanded when you don't even have all the skaters in your lineup and they still look like a really good team. I mean, that's how good Dallas is. That's how you mentioned Thomas Harley. He can make a whole defense look good. Essa Lindell stepped up and played a, like a top pairing defenseman. You know, even Ryan Suter playing, you know, the really high well. second pairing minutes. He played really well today. Yeah. Uh, he, he had a chance out in front too, right in front of the net that he almost scored a beautiful goal uh, on a feed. Uh, oh, who was it from? It was feed. Someone set him up all alone. I think it was Johnston who also had a great game. Yeah. Yeah. And he went to the back end, which was the right, you know, it call. Was the right move. Yeah. But I mean, you know, and that's what I think I want Spitz and Suds listeners to understand. You saw the stars missing the net a lot. And that's what happens when you go against, honestly, Jake Ottinger or Jeremy Swayman, because you have to pick the corners yep. because these guys are not going to let in the ordinary goal. So as many shots that the stars had on net, they missed the net a lot, but that was because they had to go to certain corners or try to go underneath Swayman. And, and a lot of times that means you miss the net and Suter did the right thing. Swayman had it covered. So he tried to go high and uh, missed on the back end. I actually thought it was a pretty good move by suits. Yeah, it was. I mean, he, he did have a goal too. So, I mean, give him credit. Yeah. He almost had two goals in this game. You know, he, and it really shouldn't be lost. Thomas Harley, again, he is such a great player. He was the yeah. star's top defenseman. Like you said, playing almost half the game, you know, with overtime factored in, of course. Uh, but he's just incredible. He's just incredible. He can play with anyone, play on either side, and he's just been remarkable. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that Thomas Harley could be maybe the number one reason the Stars have been as good as they have this year. Uh, you know, that's probably a separate conversation. But Essa Lindell and Ryan Suter pitching in in a game like this where they're playing out of sorts, they're playing more minutes. Uh, not only do they not wilt or not get exhausted playing a few more minutes than usual against a good team, instead they both step up and they both score goals. I mean, Essa Lindell you know, for as much as he's used to playing kind of with a more stay-at-home type defenseman, Hawkenpah, he stepped up on that rush when he scored that third goal uh, early in the third period. Lindell stepped up, and he went immediately. There was no hesitation, and he wasn't even looking to, you know, dump it in or play it safe or look for the pass or look for the trailer. As soon as he yep. got to the blue line, you could kind of tell him, tell he was thinking, I'm on my off wing. And, you know, S. Lindell, he's always had a good shot, always. I mean, he was much more of a, a power play. You know, he's playing on the power play back in the day a lot on the second power play behind Klingberg. And even in the AHL, he was really known for being a great guy who could play at the blue line, got a really good shot, you know, traditionally gets it through traffic. And, you know, credit to him. When he gets the chance to go in a game like this, he recognizes the situation yeah. and knows, yep, it doesn't matter what the situation is. we got to take advantage of this chance, and that's what he did. Man, I know it's a June, July, August conversation, but every single time I watch Thomas Harley, I think restricted free agent. <laughs> that salary cap is... I mean, I know it's I know it's plus four million this year, but man, every time I watch him, I'm like, wow, he's probably heading up towards six point five to seven. Yeah, it depends on if they bridge him or not, or try to go for the long deal. I think you know my money is on probably a bridge, just because the long term deal after this season. I mean, it's going to be a lot of money if you try to yeah. sign him for eight years after this deal, but uh, or however many years you want to sign him for. But I don't know. They might try to go, you know, five five or five or something, and buy out a year of of ufa or something i don't know you know there, there yeah, are people I mean, I, mark janko and everyone get paid a lot more 90 to figure out this stuff. <laughs> yeah he's he's making himself a whole lot of money with games like this yeah he, he really is is making himself really really uh valuable so 
there was a question. Uh, let's see. Fat Jimmy. <laughs> fat, fat, fat Jimmy underscore 43. Will the Stars be shorthanded again tomorrow against the Rangers? I have no idea if they can even call anyone up like Blue Mel again. If Duchesne is still out or if they're up against the cap, will Pugliot or Petrovic? uh be still up does miro make it <laughs> all or in time so uh, those are all questions that i think we'll find out um soon they did place the don off on long-term injured reserve so there is some cap space um i think they're fine you know there um but you know yeah. we'll see though i mean you know we don't know the extent of duchene's injury right now yeah, Duchesne, or all we know is I think Lundquist and Hockettpah are not on the road trip, and yeah. we know Haskinen was home uh, with with a baby who was born last night. So uh, you know it's possible that he'll probably join him on the trip. I wouldn't expect him to to be home. You know, hopefully all is well and everything. So uh, he there's no need for him to stay for a long long period of time. So whether that's tomorrow or whether that's later in the road trip, I guess we'll see. But uh, in theory, right? If he's if he's not available, I don't know that a paternity leave like that would qualify for them for an emergency recall. Yeah, I don't think, I don't so. think so. Um, so Duchesne, you know, maybe, but uh, you know, if if Haskinen's back, they could theoretically go eleven and seven um, tomorrow. But you know, that's a that's still a dicey proposition. And again, that means you're still playing <laughs> playing a lot of young defensemen or kind of borderline AHL defensemen. Uh, which yeah. you can get away with for a game or two, but that's not really what you want to do right before the toughest stretch of the schedule of the entire season for the stars. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it'll be a good proving ground for them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Aaron Thacker, Thackman asks, I just don't understand how they were not able to hold another late lead and they were out playing the Bruins, but struggled to score. Um, you know, I think you're playing ah, Swayman's gotta be top 10 in the league right now. Right, Robert, as far as just goalies. I mean, they have two of them, but. Yeah, I, to be honest, he, I don't have his numbers right in front of me, but he's he's that sort of goalie. He was last year too. He's one of those goalies where he yeah. he you know on a good team, especially. I mean, it reminded me a lot of uh, Jim Montgomery in his first season with the Stars with Ben Bishop, where his systems, uh, as much as he was built a little bit more as an offensive type of guy coming out of Denver, um, Montgomery's system is fairly conservative uh, in terms yeah. of like defensive structure and everything. So it's going to make a goalie who's technically sound. Uh, like Swayman or Bishop, you know, these bigger goalies, it's going to make them look really good when the team is in the right spots. And, and that's I mean, it's pick your today. poison. I mean, Allmark played on Saturday and actually looked really good. I watched some of that game against the LA Kings. Mm -hmm. Kings scored late and then scored in overtime coming out of the penalty box. But overall, I thought Allmark played really well. So it was, you kind of knew you were getting Swayman and it, it is what it is. So that man, I would say that you know, they did their best to hold on, but then it went six to five. They got caught in their zone and these things happen. And uh, they kind of widened out the stars um, with their passing. And that opened up David Pasternak on the uh, on his uh, on his one timer side, so to speak. And yeah. um, he's like a Vetchkin. He doesn't miss much. And that, that was a blazer of a shot. It was a perfect shot right inside the post, you know, which it didn't Absolutely. even need to be. It was if he ripped right. it so well, he hit it so so true. He could have he could have put another foot to the towards the center, and it still would have gone in. But it was right inside the post. I mean, a perfect shot. the The one thing I will say is that the feed to him, Sagan was a little bit uh, in yep. the setup there initially. Sagan was a little eager to block the initial shot, which I get. That's what forwards are taught to do when you're at the top there, you, and especially when it's a slot from the or a shot from the high slot. You want to get your stick in that lane. But as soon as Sagan moved his stick over to take the shot instead of taking away the pass uh, out that way, 
you could, I mean, you could just see, right? In retrospect, oh, I guess I would have taken the, the you know, wrist shot from the top through about six bodies in the crease. That's a much yeah. lower percentage shot than Pasternak ripping a one-timer completely unmarked. Yeah, to put it in a spits and suds perspective, um, when you watch the Dallas Cowboys, you hear people say, hold the edge. And holding the edge is basically, I know you think you can get to the quarterback, but that's not your primary job. If you're going to do it, you have to keep the outside because otherwise they're going to use that and they're going to roll out to your side and you're going to be caught in the middle. And that happened to the Cowboys a lot. And I think that's a good perspective of what happened with Sagan. You don't want to fault a guy because he wants to be in the action and wants to block shots. But when you leave that guy just a little bit more room, he's going to take advantage. It, man, it is one of those, it, this game, it's so, it's so good to remember as a fan that this, this is a tie, right? This really is a tie. Yes. Even in overtime, you know, it's a gimmick. This isn't what the playoffs are going to look like. It's not nothing like the job is to get points in the regular season. And obviously as a fan, you're invested in the game. It stinks when you walk away and the other team has won technically, but in every sense, really the stars, the stars put up a great effort in this one. I mean, Boston had to scramble and claw at home uh, against a team that was, uh, you know, a skater short. I can't remember the last time the stars, you know, without a, a last minute injury or something actually had to play with only 17 skaters. I don't know if it's happened in the Jim Nell era. I'm probably forgetting something, but he's as much as they've been tight to the cap for a long time, it's been really, really rare. So yeah, you're going to get those times where, where a player makes that one little decision where they think I can shut this down right here and they cheat just a tiny bit. And then it leads to a goal, which ties the game and goes to overtime and then to a shootout and then to another shootout. I mean, they had three, three sets of three rounds of the shootout in this one. Yeah. And that's what it took. And then it still ended with the stars, you know, with Greg Smith putting a puck on the goal line that happened to get kicked away blindly by the back of Swayman's skate. I mean, it's one of those, I get it if you don't feel good about this game, but really, really, I wish they still had ties for games like this because that's really the way to walk away from this game is saying like, all right, they held serve, wasn't a disaster. There's enough to feel good about. Let's move on. It's a long season. Yeah, and there are three more games on what I feel is the toughest stretch. And you said that as well, Robert, you know, at Rangers tomorrow, at Senators on Thursday, then at Carolina on Saturday night. And you have to look at it from this perspective out of a possible eight points, you've collected six. That's really, really good mm -hmm. against teams like the Oilers, the Bruins and Carolina. So, uh, and, and by the way, Nashville's fighting for a wild card spot and you basically dismantled them in their own building. So I, you know, I mean, usually people get on me yeah. for being like, you know, oh, you're a star's pessimist, but I try to be a star's realist. And what I'm trying to tell people is this is a great stretch for this Dallas team right now. I know it doesn't seem that way. A couple of bounces, maybe it would have been eight out of eight, but at the same time, six out of eight clearly keeps you in the running. You're on the road. Any point on the road is great, but when you're out, Hayskin and Duchesne, Dodonoff, Hockenpah, Lundquist, and you're playing against the Bruins, a team that you've really struggled against. I think it's a, you know, a, a great point. Yep. They, they're, yeah, that's exactly right. It's a great point. Yeah. You can look at different spots and say they, they could have done this or that and, and come away with two points, but you know, the Bruins are a really good team. And if you're able to put up this effort against the Bruins with this team, with this, with this depleted roster after taking a point, you know, off Edmonton the other night, it, there's so much good to to take away from this. It's kind of, you know, it's not really worth the effort to get caught up in kind of 
despair and annoyance. You know, if you need that catharsis for a minute, you just have to process your anger at them losing and yelling and tweeting, you know, go for it, go nuts. But, uh, you know, any any sort of big, just look at their last 10 games, right? I think they've won like eight of their last 10 games, or like you said, they've got six of, six of eight points. Uh, they've, you know, this isn't the traditional post all-star break slump. Oh no, they lost some momentum. Now they have to kind of get it back together. No, even there's every reason for them to lose this game. And then you had players like Wyatt Johnston, who had a fantastic game. Jason yes. Robertson, who quietly had a fantastic game uh, in a lot of other ways, right? When they needed him to be a stud. I think he led the forwards nice time again with like 25 minutes or something like that. Uh, this, I mean, Jason Robertson just continues to be that sort of player. They've got players like this stepping up, even when you lose someone like Matt Duchesne, who's been so crucial. There's every reason to feel really good about this team, regardless of the result in a borderline game like this, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Kenny Howard asked me during the game, Robert, what's with opposing players trying to rattle Wyatt Johnston lately? I do not recall Robo or Hintz getting this treatment in the past. What am I missing? I always enjoy the pod. Thanks, gents. Um, well, Kenny, you know, as I responded to him, Robert, I think that means that Wyatt Johnson's doing a good job in that dirty area when, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think Swayman knew it was Delandria that was taking the extra hacks when he got rattled. Yeah. I think, I think he was that's just right. mad, you know, and that's the kicking and then getting up. Um, but Wyatt Johnston, cool customer. And, you know, I mean, just the tip and I thought the TV did a great job of saying, watch the hand up top and how it turned so that he could do, you know, a much easier job as far as tipping the puck. And, you know, yeah, he's a good one. There's yep. no doubt about it. It's, it's pretty amazing. He's um, just, I mean, they even trusted him enough. It's, you know, the coaches are the ones who know these players, you know, better than just about anyone, right? Yep. They see him day in, day out on the road in practice, right? Coming to the rink in the morning, sitting down with them in video sessions, right? They know exactly, you know, who, <laughs> which player has the toughest time admitting mistakes on video or whatever, right? Which is, as any human, you know, doesn't enjoy that process. Uh, but they know these guys. And Pete DeBoer put Wyatt Johnston out with two other forwards in overtime tonight. They rolled with a three forward set just because they don't have Haskin in, right? They don't have a lot of these players, they do Shane, uh, to kind of anchor these sets. And that's how much trust Wyatt Johnston has uh, at this point, you know, second year, still, still what, 20 years old. I mean, it's just ridiculous when you really yep. look at the, again, the big picture of how good Johnston has been and how you can't rattle him, right? That's why they're trying to rattle him because he's so good in all these different ways on the penalty kill, on the power play in empty net situations and three on three, uh, even, you know, even putting him out in the shootout, like give him a shot. Why not? He's good at everything else. Uh, he's that sort of player where the other teams are trying to rattle him any way they can, because so far, so far, the NHL has not succeeded in rattling him, whether it's game seven against Seattle last year or whether it's a, a crazy day game in Boston like this one. Yeah, absolutely. Eric T. Wallace says, judging from the comments on the Stars' final po score post, it appears fans are expecting nothing short of perfection. What's wrong with these people? Well, I would say it's actually not a bad thing in that if people are looking for perfection, they're paying attention to the game and that's a good thing when it comes to hockey here in DFW. So, um, but I agree with you six points thus far on the toughest stretch of the season. Uh, heck yeah. Yeah. You can't be hard on this team with, uh, what they were missing. All right. Want to plug Robert, you had a really interesting article in D magazine. Everyone's got to go check out D magazine. Click, 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 click. It's titled it's time for the stars to exit their comfort zone. And you talk about, paying up for a defenseman why don't you go into the article and what you were referencing 
Yeah, for for a long time, one of the things that Jim Nill gets a lot of deserved credit for has has gotten a lot of deserved credit for in his over a decade with the Stars is that he's found ways to bring good players in without usually signing them to really long deals with high cap hits that hamstring the Stars. Now, you could talk about an extension here or there, right? Whether it's it's Jamie Ben or someone else where the deal doesn't, or even Sagan, you know, last year where the deal doesn't look as good down the road for whatever reason. But by and large, when the stars have had a need to, to address an issue, whether it's been goaltending, you know, in the past uh, or uh, on uh, up front, right? One of the first things that Nil did when he came in back in 2013 was get, you know, Horkoff and, and Sagan uh, and a player like Ray Whitney uh, was in there too. I think it, or maybe Whitney was in the year before, but regardless, he got center depth immediately and he did it in a way that was, a bargain, right? He got Sagan for what turned out to be a bargain because he was on a great contract and they didn't really have to sell the farm to do it. Um, Spezza the next year, right? Uh, then he got the Steven Johnson, Patrick Sharp for basically a song for an aging Trevor Daly and a borderline yeah. player in Ryan Garbett. Um, and then Ben Bishop, which he he got the rights for because uh, he had already at that point, you know, it was pretty clear players wanted to come play in Dallas, regardless of who was coaching them. Uh, players wanted to play in Dallas. Uh, and then, you know, in the last five years or so, it's been these veterans who who want to come to Dallas, you know, because they have their choice, whether it's Pavelski or Suter or Corey Perry uh, or Matt Duchesne, where they're willing to take a discount and come to Dallas. So for the longest time, Jim Nill's gotten a lot of credit, which he deserves for solving problems for the stars or building this roster and making it better without breaking the bank. Uh, and really without trading first round draft picks, aside from the Nils Lundqvist situation, the only other time he traded a, a first rounder was the conditional, the two conditional first rounders for Matt Zuccarello back in uh, 20, uh, 2019. And those didn't end up turning into first rounders anyway. So now's the time though, where, as we saw today, they're having to call it two AHL players, uh, you know, good players, but AHLers because they're so thin on defense and especially uh, right-handed. They didn't have any right-handers on defense uh, until they called up. I think Petrovic is a righty. Um, and now's the time. This is the problem. This They saw it last year against Vegas. The defense beyond the top two of Haskinen and Harley is is not, you don't really have a reliable second pairing there. You need someone to put with Essa Lindell. Or if you put Harley down with Lindell, you need someone to put with Haskinen. The Stars just don't have that player. Lundqvist hasn't become that player. Suter, Suter isn't that player anymore. Maybe he once was, but it's pretty clear, you know, even DeBoer knows that that's not the case anymore based on how he's using them this year. So it's time to pay up, whether it's Chris Tanev or, or Sean Walker or Noah Hannafin or whoever it is. There's really, you know, it'd be nice if Jim Dell worked some magic. I don't see that happening at the deadline. The prices usually favor, favor the sellers at this point in the year most of the time. Um, you can wait long and sometimes get a bargain, right? Because a team has to doesn't want to lose a player for nothing. But the very best players out there, the players like Chris Tanev, who I think is and should be the star's number one target. Uh, I really don't see how Jim Nell can cannot get a player of, of Chris Tanev's caliber, given how good the rest of this roster is. Uh, you can't squander you this opportunity. Yeah, I was going to ask you who your who your primary target is. So it's yeah. Chris Tanev. I, I think it has to be. Again, that's not to preclude. There are other good targets out there. Uh, David had a piece where he even mentioned someone like Radko Gudis could be a good, you know, yeah. low key kind of depth nice player. Piece. And and I, I could see that actually. I could see that. Again, you have questions about how that impacts the rest of the roster. And right now, you have questions about health, right? What with Hockenpah and Lundqvist. I mean, you don't know. I don't know when they're coming back. It seems like it's probably not long term with Hockenpah. Lundqvist with concussion uh, symptoms. Who knows, right? So. I, I, it wouldn't shock me if Nil got two right-handed defensemen at this point today, where we're, where we're sitting looking at this roster. But Chris Tanev is such, so obviously the perfect sort of player to fill this this hole in the roster. 
uh, I don't see how you can not get him or or an equivalent player. Uh, yeah. that, or you can't you can't squander another playoff run because your defense isn't isn't uh, strong enough on that second pair. He's you know, he's just, he's one of those guys too that you know you just know he's going to leave it all on his eyes. I mean, you know, he leaves his chiclets on the ice, he leaves <laughs> body parts on his on the ice, and is he is he a fancy player? No, but I mean, he's just one of those guys that's going to give it all, and I think that leaves an impression in the locker room and it's almost addictive when you see a guy sprawling and just basically putting his body on the line. Mm -hmm. This is in you know, the other, the other player, I mentioned this in the article too, uh, in 2016, when the stars were gearing up and they had that great team that was scoring left and right uh, and, you know, finished top of the top of their division again that year. Uh, Dan Hamus was their primary target from, from Vancouver, another veteran defenseman who could fill out their top four. They just needed a little bit more, uh, depth on defense and Vancouver ended up raising the price at the last minute. And so Jim no walked away, which is a smart thing to do. Uh, the rumor I've heard is that they wanted Nishushkin went from wanting like Brett Ritchie to, to saying, no, we want Valerie Nishushkin, which in 2016 was an outlandish ask. Um, you know, the year after that, they probably would have been much happier, uh, given how, how his season went the, the year two after that. But regardless, uh, they pivoted and Jim Nill got Chris Russell, who in a lot of ways had that exact same element that you mentioned for Chris Tanev. Uh, yeah. he's, he wasn't the complete defenseman that Chris Tanev is. He was much more of a kind of, you know, he, he could skate, but he was a little smaller and he was known for blocking a lot of shots, which is, you know, the analogy I always love about blocking shots is that uh, it's kind of like killing rats. It's, it's good to do it when they're there. But if you're doing it all the time, you probably got bigger problems. <laughs> so if you're having to block shots all the time, then that probably means you're you're allowing too many shots to begin with. Uh, but uh, you know, it's better to be good at blocking shots than not than not good at blocking shots. But uh, Tanev is good in all three zones. I mean, he's a defenseman that makes you better in all facets of the game. Uh, in addition to that, you know, those last two minutes, right? I mean, Chris Tanev is the perfect sort of player for that situation when you're holding the one goal lead in the playoffs against a team coming at you with everything. He's a guy who, who you want on the ice out there with a little bit more size, who can get out to those areas you need him to and defend the crease. And again, not saying he's the only player that could possibly help, help the team or get them over the hump, but it, you need him or a player like him at this point. It's just, it's so clear. It's rare that you can point to one specific issue with a team and say they need this specific thing. But with yeah. Dallas, I, I think you kind of have to say, yeah, that's pretty much the only area left to upgrade for them. And, yeah. and you've got to get it. Yeah. Isn't it interesting too? like, you know, we kind of forget that if Bixel was in Texas still, would he, would he have been called up? And I'll give one other one. I think um, Gavin Bayreuther would have been on this team. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a guy with a lot of NHL experience. Yep. Um, and, you know, but unfortunately had that uh, tough injury and has been out all year for Texas. So Texas was extremely thin on defense as it, you know, as it was. So to call up two of their D-men, I'm interested to see what they throw out there. But yeah, it is interesting that, you know, the Bixel move. And I, I did want to touch on it because someone said to me the other day, he on Twitter, they said he's, you know, going there to continue to grow the, you know, grow his game so to speak and the reality is is he had that option to do that but i think all gms would prefer their people to stay in-house they can watch them they can play their system learn the north american game because there is certainly an adjustment between you know sweden and switzerland and you know here in uh texas as far as just the the smaller rank the physicality there's just you know there's differences so um i'm sure everything will be fine but it would have been interesting would big bix have been called up yeah it's it's so such a cruel irony right that you know, yeah 
20, 30 games ago, Nils Lundqvist was having trouble cracking the lineup because, and everyone was saying, well, that's, you know, the, a good problem to have because the defense has been so healthy. And now when there's spots all over the lineup for players like, like Lundqvist or even, you know, Bixel and, and Bayreuther, like you mentioned, uh, Bayreuther who got injured right at the start of the HL season, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely think they both would have been called up before, certainly before Pouliot and probably before Petrovic either. Um, so would would Bixel have stayed up? I don't know. It depends on how his season went. You know, obviously they've been Dallas has been pretty careful in the past not to necessarily call up young players if they don't think they're quite ready for it because it can derail their game a little bit or create expectations. You know, where where maybe Dallas actually wants to season them a little bit more. But yeah, I do think that where Bixel was at and even what they saw over the summer with him this would have been a situation where he would have gotten the call up had he been in Texas, but uh, you know, he wanted to go, wanted to go be closer to home and play in Europe and you know, stars have no control over that. He has that option and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but you have to think he's sitting over there right now uh, wishing that he was getting that, that NHL paycheck, which he would have been if he had been called up, called up today. So, Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I was just looking at the Arizona uh, coyotes and their second defensive pairing features a couple of guys um, that might be of some interest, Sean Dersey and Michael Kesselring. So, um, you know, that's kind of interesting, but then you say to yourself, all right, how much better are they if they're playing on the second line of Arizona? Yeah. I, I don't think those move the needle very much for Dallas when it comes yeah. to the playoffs. Obviously, if you look at a lineup like today, sure. Getting full-time NHLers, it, definitely they'd be an improvement probably over, you know, players who are coming up, but again, Pouliot and Petrovic, you know, they did, they did fine today, limited minutes. You have to shelter them a fair bit. And that means you have to lean on players like Harley and Lind Lindell quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're those players, you know, if you're looking for like a second tier target to give you more depth so that if this happens in the playoffs, you have more options. I could see Neil doing it again. You have to make the cap work and yeah. you know, the stars are thin on draft picks this, this year, especially. Yeah. So they're, I think that only happens if it's kind of like a Guriana for Dodonov trade last year, where you have maybe like a Lundqvist or someone going out to get one from back in because you think they fit better uh, in yeah. the playoffs. But you know, what we'll, we'll it would see be very, it would be very costly, my friend. But I still dream of Adam Larson. <sighs> it it all depends on it all depends on what Seattle is thinking in terms of you know next year, right? What what do they see as their their kind of core defensive core? And I think he has some value as kind of a veteran there for them. Yes, I also, does. I also, yeah, we've talked about him before for a reason, right? He's that sort of player where, yeah, I, I look at him and say he's he's probably on the back back nine of his career at this point, pretty solidly. Uh, but you know, when you look at a, a defense this thin, you, it's hard not to think that he's the, exactly the sort of player that you want in a tough series in the playoffs, uh, yeah. who has just enough to to get you through twenty really tough games, right? So. We'll, yeah, we'll see I think, what they do, but yeah. Hey, Jamie Alexiak's on Seattle too, so you, yeah, you know. That's true. That would be nice. I'd take it. I'd take it. I think I, Seattle's going to wait till the last second too, just four points out of a wild card spot right now. So, I think so. Yeah, and they're playing better. My friend, you're a beast. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, Monday afternoon after quite a tilt. And for everyone out there, follow Robert at Robert Tiffin. Exciting things to come from Robert. And Click, click, click when it comes to that D Magazine article. I really enjoyed it, and I thought that was a, a really good perspective on now's the time to pull the trigger. So thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, on this uh, post game. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Gavin. Appreciate it. 
That's going to do it for another post-game edition. We will talk to you probably on Wednesday. Craig and I have a uh, charity dinner tomorrow night, so that equals Craig making fun of me for three hours. So um, I will not enjoy that charity dinner, and uh, we will probably recap that on Wednesday <laughs> as I hear Robert laughing. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll hey, recap a lot of people that. would pay to hear that, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Nothing I want better than a long day at work on Tuesday and be a pinata on Tuesday night. <laughs> that charity just continues to give and give. <laughs> so for Robert Tiffin, I'm Gavin Spittle. Thank you very much for listening to Spits and Suds. We truly appreciate it right here on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great day.